I'm Sherry Dunleavy, your inspirationista, host, and a grieving mom. Welcome to the Grief Anonymous podcast. Grief is a journey, and I'm 20 years into mine. No matter where you are in yours, I hope you'll join me as I provide you with information, tools, and experts to help guide you through the darkness of death into the light of living. Help is on the way. Dr. Phyllis Kaminsky is my guest today. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She's an adjunct professor of social work at Fordham University and the president of the Association for Death Education and Counseling. She's also the author of the book, Getting Back to Life, when grief won't heal. She's the perfect person I wanted to talk with today, especially about grief as we're going through this pandemic. And so, uh, Phyllis, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Sherry. So tell me, because a lot of people are feeling fear, they're feeling anger, they're feeling anxiety, and what they're not realizing is that these are signs that, of grief, correct? Yes. Well, yeah, no, I think that's true. Uh, you know, I think that, yeah, grief is a composite of a lot of feelings. And at different times and in response to different kinds of loss, uh, different aspects of grief predominate, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that you touched on one that is a common element of grief, more common than people realize, but it's really dominant right now, and that's fear. Mm. And, you know, why do we feel fear? We feel fear about what we've lost and about what we fear to lose, right? So the uncertainty that goes with significant loss is really affecting people right now. And what is it that we have lost? On the one hand, of course, some of what we've lost is people have lost loved ones. Yes. Uh, people, I mean, and, and particularly in the New York area where I live, those losses are massive, massive, terrifying. On a broader scale, what people have lost is what, what we refer to as the assumptive world. And what that means, as the term kind of implies, is that a lot of the core beliefs that we base our lives on, right, that give us a sense of continuity and security, um, everything from you know, waking up in the morning and going to Starbucks and having a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Do those things, right? Meeting a friend for lunch, going to work, earning a living, seeing our children, right? Everything big and small. And I want to say that it's important that we recognize that there are big losses and then there are a host of small dislocating losses. And we can't ignore those. I really want to encourage people to realize that if what they've lost is the ability to meet their friends, you know, for lunch mm -hmm. or even to, you know, visit visit people in another state, not go to prom, not finish their school year. These are all losses. Right. And all together, they just give us a feeling of not having control over our lives, not being able to predict what's going to happen in our lives, 
And these are not feelings that we do well with. This is not what is comfortable for us. What's comfortable for us is predictability, continuity, and connection. And those are all the things that we've lost present. And grief is about uh, dealing with those things we lost. It's lose. It's not, it's not really a, only death. It can be so many other things as what you've just said. Right. That's exactly. People don't realize that that is, that is a way of grieving. Right. Right. Well, my friend uh, Jack Jordan uh, was asked about this recently, you know, well, what, do we, what is grief? And I liked his answer. He said, grief is a response to the loss of anything that we hold dear. Right? Isn't that so good? I thought yes. that was really good. The loss of anything that we hold dear. So, you know, certainly that can be a person. It can certainly, I mean, people ask me so often, uh, you know, my dog died, mm. is, you know, and I feel like I'm feeling grief, but I don't know. And, oh yeah, abs absolutely, mm. absolutely. Anything we hold dear, if we have to move out of our house because we can't pay the mortgage, um, that's going to bring up a lot of feelings of grief, Right. Um, somebody who was planning to have her parents come and watch her graduate from college, and now she can't do that. That's, that's a loss. The loss of the rituals that provide comfort when we're grieving is tremendous right now. The fact that people cannot gather together after the loss of a loved one and support one another and honor that person's uh, life together, mm -hmm. together, um, is really impacting a lot of people right now. Not being able to be with loved ones who are in the hospital, very painful for people. So yes, all of these are um, things that, that bring about feelings of uh, sadness, yearning, fear, and sometimes hopelessness right know? so it can also enter in there so uh and the fact that these feelings sherry are so ubiquitous that they're so widespread is another layer of of difficulty for people who are experiencing a significant loss right now right mm -hmm. because normally we hope that you know if i'm having if i've had a loss right my mother-in-law died a few months ago, right? Mm -hmm. and, and a few months ago, my husband got calls from friends and, right, there were, we had Shiva, you know, all, all of the mm -hmm. things that you do, right? Well, for somebody who experiences a loss like that now, that kind of support really isn't available because everybody's dealing with their own stuff, right? Right. So that also makes it hard for people. And just to hold someone just to hold someone and hug someone. Oh. You know, that is one of the great comforts I know when I was grieving the loss of my son is just to be held, to be hugged, to be someone to hold me within their sacred space. And um, that the great is belief. a challenge. Yeah. Such a challenge. It's not impossible. Physically, it's impossible right now. But right. Right. 
Right. Well, that's really where, you know, I'm a, a great believer. And if you, if you looked at my website, and I know that you did, you saw that I've also written a book about the role of attachment, right? Uh, managing grief and the relationships that we have from the time that we are born are a source of comfort and sanctuary, a place of solace. It's a place that we feel safe. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have access to that, it's very hard for us to feel safe. It's hard for us to feel safe when we're not able to reach out and touch and be held by the people who provide us with a sense of, with a feeling of security. That's what the whole idea of a secure bond is. Right. Let me, you know, come to you, give me a hug, reassure me, comfort me, and then being strengthened by that contact, mm-hmm. I can face the world, right? And now we have to face the world without that. And it's hard. It's hard. It is. It's, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us. So now that we know what it is, yeah. that we know that our feelings are, are legitimate, right. now okay. that we have felt those feelings, mm-hmm. what can we do to help ourselves feel better and help those we love feel better? Right. Well, you know, um, someone I, I was talking to the other day said, uh, you know, we live in a period of uh, both and, you know, in other words, we live at a time where um, people are still having birthdays and people are dying, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of paradox in our day-to-day experience, again, is something that we have difficulty with, right? Mm-hmm. But to be able to say, you know, we're going to get together on Zoom on Friday and, you know, it's... It's, uh, you know, Joanne's birthday and also, you know, Phyllis just found out that one of her students is, is sick. So we're going to give space for both of those things, right? And as human beings, we have the capacity to do that. We don't always choose to do it, right? Mm-hmm. We'd rather segregate the happy and the sad, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to have a, a wedding and a funeral on the same day, right? But in our interactions with people at this point in time, it's especially important for us to be able to hold the happy events, the the things that we're grateful for, at the same time as we acknowledge our our sadness Mm -hmm. and the losses that we've had. To be able to say, I'm grateful for this relationship and I am happy to be able to have this contact with this person. And at the same time, a part of my heart, you know, my, is, a part of me is aching mm-hmm. because of what I've lost and because of what, what p- other people have lost. So I hope that doesn't sound too abstract, but really what I'm saying is allow the feelings that you have, allow the happy feelings that you have, allow the sad feelings that you have, because sometimes, you know, people suppress the sad feelings and sometimes people suppress the happy feelings. I shouldn't be feeling happy right now. I shouldn't be celebrating right now because people are dying. I shouldn't be laughing right now because people are dying. Well, 
I would say that we need to laugh and we need to recognize, I go for a walk any day that it's even moderately Me uh, too. You know, warm out, right. And what I've been doing is, you know, every day I, I look around and right now in my neighborhood, you know, there are a lot of beautiful flowering trees, right? Mm -hmm. And to just stop in front of one of those beautiful flowering trees or in front of just a mass of yellow forsythia and just look at that and, you know, take it in. And when I say take it in, I mean, pause and see and feel and just acknowledge that right now in this moment, I'm here and I'm okay. And I'm in a world where frightening things are happening. And I'm also in a world where there is abundant beauty. And I'm going to really take a moment to appreciate that beauty because spring has, you know, comes, right? Mm -hmm. No matter what's going on in the world. Yes, it does. Comes. And, and, and we are here among other things to notice it. And we have the time now to notice it. And we have the time to notice it. And that's a very good point because we've all heard about how difficult it is, and we all know how difficult it is to be stranded without our usual uh, distractions. Mm -hmm. Someone told me the other day, there's a, a book by Ernst Becker called uh, The Denial of Death. And uh, he's a sociologist. It's a kind of, it's a classic. And this person said that Becker, Ernst Becker describes uh, a lot of the things we do as immortality projects. In other words, we engage in all kinds of activities um, so that we don't have to think about the fact that we're going to die. <laughs> and, you know, what happens when we don't have those things, right? Well, one thing that happens is our initial reaction, I don't know if you've ever gone someplace that's really beautiful and really serene and really out of the way, like a cabin in the woods, and you get there and your first reaction is, what am I going to do for a week? Right? <laughs> right? And then after a day or so, everything inside you starts to slow down and you see things that you don't normally see. And you feel things and you smell things and maybe you have a conversation with a loved one or with someone even on the phone and you have thoughts and you take time to go inside yourself. Someone told me recently that um, in times of uh, plague and depression, a lot of great art happens because people are really slowing down. So, I mean, those are some you know, kind of more elevated ways of taking care of yourself. But I think the simplest and most important thing that people can do is to maintain their connections with other people. And I say this and I want to acknowledge that sometimes you may not feel like reaching out to other people. And especially if you're grieving or if you're just exhausted you may say, well, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll call my sister or, you know, I'll, I'll get to it. I just don't feel like doing it right now. And so there's a tendency sometimes when we're grieving 
to cut to go inside right mm -hmm. and shut down and i want to encourage people to reach out to reach out to one another right and you know even scheduling uh, a regular you know saying you know let's get together every friday afternoon and just catch up on our week right um and that really brings up the whole idea of scheduling and structure which is something else that i really recommend that people do mm -hmm. you know if you can have a sense of what you're going to do tomorrow you know here's what i'm, I'm i have this plan to do these things tomorrow and i'm not going to plan too much right but i'm going to have a few things that i know i'm going to get done some people like to be even more regular in their scheduling i spoke to a client yesterday and she has monday wednesday and friday blocked out for when she does the laundry and when she walks the dogs and, when, and this really helps her right? right and for a lot of people having some structure particularly if they're used to having their days organized that way right can be really helpful i'd like That's to add i think that sometimes too i think that um don't wait for someone to reach out to you if you're lonely you yes. know say if you're a parent and where are your children you know if you're lonely reach out to your children you don't know what they're dealing with what they're going through you're, right. you're making assumptions inside your head but you've got to take some kind of responsibility for this as well for your yes humor. that's so true and that really goes back to something that we were talking about mm -hmm. a little earlier about people who are grieving right, right. that how many people will say, you know, I'm not going to bother them right now because yeah. right? they're grieving, right? Um, you wouldn't say that about somebody who you knew wasn't feeling well. You'd send them a card, you'd give them a call, how's it going, how are you feeling? But somehow we get it in our heads that when someone is grieving, we should, we should you know, leave mm -hmm. them alone so that they can grieve now, right? It's always better to err in the direction of right right reaching out making contact if somebody doesn't want to talk they'll let you know but guess what most of the time i mean i know that every phone call i make ends with the person saying thank you so much for calling right right, right. absolutely absolutely yeah. So we've seen, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, some of the things that, you know, really can be depressing about this time, can yeah. be very difficult for us to manage during this time. Mm -hmm. We've talked about things that we can do to make us feel better. What are some of the blessings that maybe we can look to, the silver linings that we can yeah. look to yeah. out of this? And I think that there, are, there are definitely some of those, you know. I think that one of the things that we can do one of the things that happens is that in slowing down, right, we have more, you know, I've spoken to people who are spending more time with family members. And, you know, obviously that can be a blessing or a curse, right? right. But, you know, I see, I have two adult children. Uh, one of them, my daughter is actually is, is a doctor in New York hospital. Oh. My son is, yeah, my son is in California. And, you know, I have pretty regular contact with my daughter. With my son in California, not so much. You know, he's busy, he's working, the time difference. Mm -hmm. But since this happened, 
Yeah, we have reg because he's home all the time. So we mm -hmm. have much more regular calls. I just feel like um, both of them are just more available, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of contact. I've talked to people who have said, I have time to, to learn things now or to practice things now, like to practice an instrument or you know, to go online and, and, and take an online course that I would never have time to do. I have a client who uh, is a cancer survivor and since she's been working at home, she's able to cook for herself more regularly. She's able to take walks regularly. Now that's not to say that people who are working at home don't have their own burdens, particularly right. young children or elderly parents. Right. But the flexibility that working from home has given her has allowed her to to take better care of herself. Yeah, better self-care. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think that a lot of people have talked about how being deprived of a lot of the activities that are connected with consumption in some form. I'm going to go out shopping here. I'm going to go out, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Right. That, that not having all of those activities in our lives asks us, makes us uh, sort of ask ourselves, how much of this do I really need to put back in my life when things return to normal? How much of the slower routine that I've been forced into, do I want to retain? What have I found about this period in time that's enabled me to really spend more time with myself, recognizing what I'm feeling, recognizing what I need, recognizing what fuels me, what fuels me, you know? because that's really what we're having to discover at this point in time, right? Because we don't have all of those external sources right. of distraction. So how do well, I- Well, for someone like me, that is, I don't mind that, okay? I don't mind going inward. I don't mind that time of discovery. I crave it actually. Yeah, I and I don't know if that's my introverted tendencies. I don't know if that's uh, my spiritual path, you. my personal path. It's you. Yes, but I know that some people can't, I mean, this being with themselves is the scariest thing that can ever happen. It is the scariest <laughs> thing that can ever happen. And, and, you know, and of course. So what do you say to those people? Yeah. What's that? I said, so what do we say to those people? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think that for people who are really, you know, comforted, you know, need, need to talk, want to talk, uh, you know, so, you know, find people to talk to, uh, you know, there are the, the, there are a number of, uh, wow, so many online discussion groups, online support groups, you know, I think that, uh, I, and I get it, I, I really do, I, you know, I get how hard it is, particularly for people who live alone, you know, that this month, for the first time, I think, in in history, the New York um, pounds have run out of dogs to adopt. Oh. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. So that tells you something about the need for connection just with another living creature, yes. right? So for people, you know, there have been a lot of recommendations about 
meditative practices and breathing practices and grounding practices. And I know for a lot of people, those recommendations just don't do anything for them because they can't be still long enough mm. to, you know, to breathe. So, you know, for those people, you know, get outside, exercise, right? Get yourself moving, you know, do to whatever extent you can, you know, find ways to, to do the things that normally right. keep you going, keep you happy, keep you full. Yeah, you know, you can't get together with, you know, with 10 other people and, you know, have a party. But I've participated in more than one uh, online bingo tournament. Uh, <laughs> like, right, there's things to do. There, there are a lot of things to do. Um, you know, my son, who is quite outgoing, and, you know, and I see, I saw an article just this morning, Sherry, about how, um, you know, some of these online multiplayer games, mm -hmm. you know, right. this is what people are doing that, you know, I said to him, you know, well, what did you do today? He said, well, you know, first I, I, I walked around my island and I watered the plants and I took care of the animals. And then I went and visited other people on their islands. And I'm like, okay, this is my, my. 28 year old son and you know he's 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 visiting people on other islands and apparently this has become a really big way that people have of continuing to engage with one another so you know it's there's no question that it's harder for people and if you are familiar there's actually a website called um, dear introvert and it's a website for introverts and sells great merchandise like shirts that say, uh, I was into social distancing before it was cool. <laughs> um, but if you go to that website, um, you know, there are recommendations from introverts for extroverts. You know, like, welcome to our world. We know it's hard for you. Um, here are some ways that you can, you know, be comfortable and manage these feelings that are easy for us, but we know they're not easy for you. Right. So to assume that, you know, I, I have been saying guilty of saying we're all in the same boat, but we're not. We're all in the same ocean in different kinds of boats and vessels. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I love that because you're absolutely right. We're in the same ocean, but some of us are, you know, on in cabin cruisers, you know, with a full mm -hmm. staff, and some of us are in rickety rowboats and everybody in between. and. On the one hand, you know, we can be grateful. You know, one of my students the other day said to me, well, you know, how do we get through this time? And, and you know, and, and what do we do? And I said, well, you know, one thing that, that we can do is we can be grateful that we have food and shelter and that no one is shooting at us. And, you know, I said it uh, kind of tongue in cheek, but the fact is I really, uh, I'm really aware uh, right. That, you know, that to be in a place where I am safe and I have food, um, I'm very fortunate. Right. Not everybody, not everybody has that. And, you know, I think that we need to, you know, not lose sight of the multiple, multiple ways that people are, are struggling. And, you know, we need to 
support our local businesses if we can. We need to support our neighbors if we can. You know, we need to be aware of needs that we can help to meet, right? Um, there are lots of things right now that we can't do, but there are also things that we can do. We can reach out to a neighbor if we're able to go to the supermarket. We can reach out to a neighbor and say, I'm going to the supermarket, what can I get for you, right? Um, if we have, you know, a teenage uh, you know, son, we can say, you know, go over and, you know, mow, mow our next door neighbors, you know, all the things that, you know, the small things, the small neighborly things. We can be patient with one another. We can have compassion for one another. And we can keep in mind that everybody, to one extent or another, is struggling right now. And you know, the truth is that that's always what life is. We just don't normally recognize it. You know, we live in a world and we have lived in the world, in a world really always where there's struggle, where there's suffering, right? Right now, it's particularly clear, right? Mm -hmm. If you see what I'm saying. Right. You know, but you know, we never know day this to day. It doesn't change. Everybody around. has it, yeah. We never know what somebody else's struggles are, right? And it's the same thing now, you know. But the difference is that because we're all struggling, we can lose sight of what other people are going through. So I would say, you know, let's, let's try not to do that. Let's try to be open to our own feelings. And let's also try to remain aware of what other people are dealing with and to do what we can where we are to help. That's a beautiful place to stop. Phyllis, thank you so much for taking time today. And you had such great words of wisdom that will help so many people deal with this in, in, a, in a way of, of hope and healing. So I thank you very much for being my guest today. You're very welcome. My pleasure. I'm Sherry Dunleavy, and you've been listening to the Grief Anonymous podcast. For more information on today's guest, the Grief Anonymous program, or the Grief Resource Network, go to griefanonymous.com or griefresourcenetwork.com. For more information on my book, workshops, or talks, go to sherrydunleavy.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening.